Hello everyone and welcome to Let's Talk Catholic with Father Scott Lawler. And as we always try to do, let's start with a prayer for canonization of Bishop Barga and also that that we I haven't done this one for a while, I don't think, and the prayer to be a missionary disciple. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, I adore you with all my heart. You sent your only Son to bring the joy of the Gospel to a fallen world. Following in his footsteps, Venerable Frederick Barriger brought this same Gospel to the people of Michigan. Due to his strong faith, unwavering service, and selfless sacrifice, please honour him with the title of saint, and grant the favours which I ask today. God our Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit I might hear the call of the new evangelization to deepen my own faith and the faith of my family and my parish family. May we as a community of missionary disciples grow in confidence to proclaim the gospel and bodily and boldly witness to the saving grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. A couple of things before I wind up what has been um, going through the year with the entries into the diary. I'll give again what the diary is. But also, if by any chance you have any favours that have been uh, granted to you through praying for the intercession of Bishop Barriga, the people you need to let know are the Bishop Barriga Association. That's 347 Rock Street, Marquette, Michigan, and the zip code is 49855. The telephone number is 906-227-9117. And you can find them on www.frederickbarriga, all one word, dot org. And that's if you've had anything or you want to discuss with them what you think might have been a favour granted uh, through the intercession of Bishop Barriga. So what I have been doing just to remind us all, is that as we've gone through uh, 2022, and we're nearing its end now, uh, for the entries in the diary, I've been reading out and, and perhaps commenting, uh, well, yes, sometimes commenting, on the the entries for each month. We've probably got most of the entries done. There's a couple of months where there's been more than I could uh, fit in. But what we've been doing, what I've been um, reading from, is the diary of Bishop Frederick Barriger, first bishop of Marquette, Michigan, edited and annotated by Regis M. Walling and the Reverend N. Daniel Rope, translated by Joseph Gigorich and the Reverend Paul Prudhomme, S.J. He's a Jesuit, and it is... Published by Great Lake Books, and the copy I have, Wayne State University Press, which is based in Detroit, and my copy is copyrighted 1990 by the Bishop Barriger Association and Archives. And that's what we've been doing, and we will be finishing our delve into it. Uh, the diary this month. So, um, as you might remember, the diary starts in 1852 
and in 1852 there's only one entry happens to be December 30th. For a long time I've not entered anything in this diary. My days passed by so uniformly and monotonously in the nerve-wracking copying of the second part, that was the second part of uh, the dictionaries putting together dictionary stroke catechism for, for one of the Indian tribes, that I found nothing remarkable to enter. Now I once more am finished but not finished for good. Then moving on to December of 1853, there's again not very many entries, but it's December 7th. Today I arrived in Liverpool after a successful and pleasant voyage of less than 11 days and set out on the same day for Dublin. So that's interesting that you had to sail all the way to Liverpool in England in order to cross back over the Irish Sea uh, to to Dublin shows how important Liverpool was. Liverpool actually was one of the most important ports in the world, um, and actually my parents live about a mile across the river from from Liverpool. Just as a personal note, there on December eighth, on the feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Here's a little personal aside. Of course, as you all know the patronal feast for the United States of America, back to Bishop Barger, arrived in Dublin, where the most reverend Archbishop Paul Cullen took me into his house with great kindness and hospitality. And we just have a, we have a footnote saying that Paul Cullen was the primate of Ireland, and the quote from Barger, first visited Ireland because the greatest portion of our Catholics in the mining community are Irish people. And that was uh, quoted in the tablet, and the tablet still exists. The tablet is uh, was the Catholic magazine. It was started by uh, Cardinal Herbert, Herbert Vaughan, who founded the only congregation that's ever been founded in, in England, uh, the St. Joseph's Society for Foreign Missions. He started the tablet as well. He was a very young man when he became a cardinal. I think he was only 42, if I remember correctly. Back to the diary. Uh, December 20th, from Dublin via Holyhead in London to Paris. So what he did was, he got on a ferry across to Holyhead, which is in Wales, northern Wales. That's still the main route if you want to go into the main part of England. And then you get a train, or now you can drive it, of course, then then it would have been a nightmare to drive it. But you get a train to London, and now if you were going to go to Paris, you would go through the tunnel, the tunnel, the train tunnel that goes under the um, English Channel. But then it would have been a train down to Dover on the south coast of England, and then a ferry from Dover across to Calais, and then from Calais a train down to Paris. And so he then says, where I arrived on December 22nd in the company of the Reverend Lawrence Dunn, whom I lodged at the ecclesiastical retreat until I come back to Paris to take him with me. And we have a footnote about that. Lawrence Dunn was born in Dublin in 1824 and was ordained in 1846. He had spent five years as a missionary among the Kaffirs in the Cape of Good Hope. Now, before I carry on, um, a little bit. I was a little bit surprised to see this word 
in the um, in the footnotes here. So the word kafir is an Afrikaans word from South Africa, and it is uh, a a very uh, un politically correct word. Now kafir is the African and perhaps English Commonwealth version of the word nigger, which of course, quite rightly, we, we don't use anymore. Uh, I was a bit surprised to see it in the footnotes here, but perhaps the people who did the footnotes didn't realise how offensive Kafir is. Anyway, moving on. Um, so he was down in South Africa before Barriga recruited him. In May 1854, he accompanied Barriga back to New York and upon their arrival was sent directly to Ontonogan where he worked until 1858. At that time, he transferred to Illinois. He died in Chicago in 1894. There's also a footnote about what exactly the ecclesiastical retreat was. Um, It was a residence for clergy who were visiting Paris. While he was there, uh, Father Dunn studied French um, so that he could obviously celebrate Mass here, Confessions, in that language since he already spoke English. And that finishes 1854. So now, 1855. No, sorry, that finished 1853. Now I'm in 1854. My apologies. December 3rd. Today I introduced here in Mackinac at St Anne's Church the Arch Confraternity of the Immaculate and Holy Heart of Mary, for the conversion of sinners, and for the first time said Mass on the altar of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I believe that is still the altar that is there. I was told that by someone. I've been to so Mackinac, Mackinac Island. I've been to the, the, that church. It was in the hands of the Jesuits for a while. There's a little museum there as well. And there used to be a, a Jesuit brother who I think was there for about 10 years who would give tours, but I think that man's gone to his eternal reward now. But if you ever go to um, Mackinac Island, it's important you go visit the the Catholic Church. It's on that main road that runs right along towards the Methodist Centre, I think it is. When you come off the ferry, you go right. You just go along that main road and you'll come to the the church. It's, uh, It's on the left. It's about half a mile, I think, if I remember correctly. December 12th. Today, finally, the Reverend Sebastian Duroc arrived here, thanks be to God, and on the 13th I took him to Pont St. Ignace. And so we have a footnote about Sebastian Duroc. He was from Vosage, area of France. He was the first pastor in Marquette from 1855 to 1864, after which he went to the Bay Duroc, um, which is apparently was another name for Escanaba. As administrator, Jacker, if you remember, uh, the Reverend Jacker was the one who became the bishop after Barriger, I think, dismissed Duroc, who went briefly to France. In 1871, he returned to Ipspeming, where his nephew, Honoratus Bourillon, was pastor. Shortly afterwards, they both left the diocese for Golden City, Colorado. Duroc was chaplain at St. Joseph's House for Invalids in Denver, Colorado from 1883 to 1886, and that was his 
last known address. Um, then back to the diary entries, December 20th. Today, the Reverend Mr. De Rock has again returned to Mackinac to celebrate the Most Holy Nativity. And December 29th, unpleasant gossip left Samuel Abbott's boarding house, now board with Mrs. Todd. And there's a, a footnote, but the footnote only tells us that Samuel Ab Abbott was a convert of Father Mazzacchielli when he was stationed at Mackinac. And it doesn't say what the unpleasant gossip was, but whatever that gossip was, it got the um, the venerable bishop to get out of the house and move to the house of Mrs. Todd. So, there we are. And that Now, that ends the entries for 1854. Entries for 1855. Tonsure and minor order to Frater Ludwig Stitterat and Frater Seraphine Zorn. There was a couple of a few footnotes there. Um, may not I haven't read these fully, but just a tonsure is when um, God has given me a natural one as I've got older. But a tonsure is when you shave the top of your head before God, so you're bareheaded before God, including your hair. And it used to be that when you became a subdeacon, a part of the process just before it would be that just cut off some of your hair, not a lot, and that would be you being tonsured, going back to the monastic uh, habit of doing that. But let's have a look at these footnotes. So there's one about Nicholas Louis uh, Sifferat, a Franciscan, was born on December 12th, 1828 at Beckendorf, Germany. He was ordained at Sous-Saint-Marie by Barriga on August 23rd, 1857. He was sent to Little Travers to work with Latisher and to be his successor. In 1863, he went to Cross Village. Sitterat composed a short compendium of the Catechism of the Indians, to which Barriga gave his approbation in 1864, although the book was not published until 1869. In 1868, after Bishop Lefebvre resumed jurisdiction, Sitterat was suspended for refusing to shave his beard, and to accompany and to accept a new assignment under Bishop Borges, he was reinstated in 1877. So that was quite a long time that he might have been without a place and assigned to various hospital and religious chaplaincies in southern Michigan. He died at Kalamazoo, Michigan, on March 11th, 1898. Sitarat had a brother, Philip, who was a brother in the Franciscan community. In 1877, Philip died a tragic, though unexplained, death. It just happens to be recorded that his death was tragic. So that whole beard thing um, used to be that only priests who were missionaries or in religious orders could grow beards. And um, what must have happened there is this particular bishop must have felt that despite it being a mission, missionary diocese, that his priests were not to have beards, and it became a, a a big thing. And the thing is, strangely, many Benedictines have beards, but the English Benedictines removed, no pun intended, 
removed beards. So if you become an English Benedictine, you are not to have a beard. But other Benedictines can have beards. And as you know, many Franciscans have beards. It's almost like a tradition for them. But you can see, if you look at old photographs of missionaries going particularly to Africa, uh, you'll see, you can tell who's been there the longest, often by the length of their beards. So that's what's behind the beard thing. Uh, footnote about Philip Seraphin Zorn, uh, Franciscan. He was born on August 15th, 1825 at Bernfelden, Germany. Barriger ordained him to the priesthood on January 20th, 1856 at Little Travers. When the community moved to Cross Village in 1856, Zorn remained at Little Travers for a year to learn Ottawa and minister and ministry from Latishire. Zorn then went to Cross Village in charge. For 20 years, he served all the Indian missions of the region. The 1881 Almanac noted his assignment to one parish, Little Travers, four missions and nine stations. His dismissal from the Franciscan community in 1883 caused him great pain for the rest of his life. The newly created Diocese of Grand Rapids accepted him and assigned him to the Indian mission of Elbridge and later to the chaplaincy of Mercy Hospital in Big Rapids. Zorn died in April 14th, 1900 in Manistee where he is interred. Jacob wrote often and with admiration of Zorn, Zorn's zeal. The Indians called him Wasijigig, which means bright heaven. So, for some reason, he was ejected from the Franciscans. And as we've mentioned before in these entries, it just shows, you know, and we all are familiar with priests that have had trouble or been suspended or become, to use a good Latin phrase, persona non grata. It just shows you, as the old expression goes from the book of Ecclesiasticus, there's nothing new under the sun. And there's one last entry. Um, this entire, <coughs> this part, the tonsuring thing that, that I read out, apparently Bishop Barriger had written that all in the margin. So, <coughs> excuse me, uh, December 29th, there were many skaters on the ice in the bay. On the following day, the ice broke up again. Wow, there's a way to break into cold sweat. And then there was an entry after this, an NB, December 25th, First Communion for 18 Indians and 22 Confirmations. And we have a footnote for that, which is from an account written by Bishop Barriger. Dear Sir, please insert in your valuable paper the following brief report. Yesterday was a most remarkable day for our mission. It was the most glorious day it ever saw. The Right Reverend Bishop Barriger spends with us the first half of this winter. On Christmas night, soon after midnight, he celebrated Pontifical Mass. The Reverend Mr. Weinkamp, who came to this mission lately, was his community, with, with his community of Third Order of St. Francis, served as deacon, and the Reverend Mr. Steinhauser, the missionary of this place, as subdeacon. The church was so crowded that we were apprehensive of some accident. The Indians from all the surrounding places flocked to Little Travers Bay to witness a ceremony such as they never saw before. 
We had regular music and most edifying singing by the sisters of the Third Order, who brought a large melodeon with them. At four o'clock there was another high mass with an impressive and appropriate German sermon by the Reverend Mr. Weinkamp for this community. Afterwards, the other masses were celebrated till after nine o'clock. At ten o'clock, the Right Reverend Bishop Barger sang another pontifical mass with the same assistance. At this solemn mass, First Communion was given by the bishop to 18 persons whom he had been preparing for it every evening since his arrival amongst us. Before communion, he made them a touching sermon in Indian with the bottom, from the bottom of his paternal heart. After Mass, the bishop called to the rails those that he had prepared for confirmation, and after making them another paternal admission, he administered this holy sacrament to 22 persons. The church was again overcrowded to its utmost capacity, and all were edified and delighted by what they saw and heard. In the afternoon, Vespers was in Indian, as usual, alternatively by the Indians and the sisters of the Third Order, who accomplished the singing with their delightful melodeon. Such was the religious performance on the most solemn day of the Little Travers Indian Mission. And that was from Bishop Barriga to a Detroit Catholic newspaper, written from Little Travers, December 26. Isn't that beautiful? Now, I, I say this sometimes to people, that um, very few people saw solemn high masses um, because a church had to have three clergy to be able to do it, and lots of places didn't have that. Even in around Europe, lots of places didn't have that. So cathedrals would have had it, very large parishes would have had it. So this is quite a thing, and uh, no wonder People were so, so touched by by that, uh, and just impressed by the fact that the sisters had learned enough Indian to be able to sing the office back and forth with the Indians, unless they were doing it in Latin. But that's not how that seems to be to be written. So that ends the entries for eighteen fifty five. And moving on to the diary entries for eighteen. 56 and there's a fair few of them um, which is you know will give us a, will give us a good flavor of what was going on December 1st this morning Father Minet told me that last night the brother of Francis Grant had come to bring me or him to his seriously ill brother however Father Minet told him this is written down as a quote do you think that the bishop will go to your brother at midnight so the young man left without calling me. As soon as I heard of this, I immediately carried the most holy sacrament to the sick man and also administered extreme unction to him. Today it snows, it snows heavily, but it's not cold. Now, once again, as we have noticed over the year, Bishop Barriger wasn't scared of some hard work, and we know that Father Minier has caused problems in the past. December 2nd. It was a cold, cold night. Today the weather is very nice and sunny, but only in the morning. In the afternoon it clouded over. The canal is closed. December 3rd, St. Francis Saviour. Today is very stormy and cold. Poor people on the General Taylor, who are on Lake Superior. Today I went to Nugent and recommended to him 
that he ought to send his two boys to our school, not the Protestant free school. He said that our teacher does not give instructions in studies higher than reading and writing. I then told him that he ought nevertheless to send his boys to us. I would tell Brother Lacoste to instruct them according to their abilities and proficiency. Now I will see whether Nugent sends his boys to our school or not. And that Lacoste was Adrian Lacoste, who was born at Lacombe, France, on March 20th, 1820. He entered the Society of Jesus as a brother, and that's of course the Jesuits, in 1841. In 1842, he came to St. Mary College in Kentucky, filled several posts at Fordham College in New York, and then came to Sault Ste. Marie. After leaving the Sioux, he worked at Montreal and Gulf. Lacoste died in Montreal on December 31st, 1896. Back to the diary. December 4th. It snows very heavily. Today I began to copy the Gagikwe Masinyagin, which is a book of sermons, apparently, with the task of three pages daily. O God, come to my assistance. O Lord, make haste to help me. That's uh, was apparently written in Latin. He must have felt that he'd um, bitten off a bit more than he could chew. And December 5th, it again snows heavily. Father Minet had a requiem high mass on the other shore. Father Kohler has arrived this evening with two people from payment. December 6th, again snowing very hard. Father Kohler returned, but will come again Tuesday, at least so I hear. December 7th, Sunday. I gave three very short sermons, English, French and Indian. I announced to the people that tomorrow is the feast of the Immaculate Conception of Mary, our special diocesan and patronal feast, but which will be solemnly celebrated next Sunday. I also announced that throughout this entire octave, a plenary indulgence may be gained. In the afternoon, the church pews were auctioned for $400 and over. However, probably all will not pay what they have pledged. So that must have been, he must have been asking people to show of hands for who, who would give to what, uh, but not so sure you'll get the money. I hear that that is potentially a, still a problem when it comes to CSA. People, I've heard this from other parishes where people will commit and then the money never appears. Again, nothing new under the sun. Then December 8th, Feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This morning at 8 I said Mass, at which there were many people after my announcement yesterday and urgent invitation. The Ossalines sang very delightfully. Today Father Kohler came again and will remain here the entire week. December 9th, Joseph Meninsier came to make the four boxes, rectangle sections of the altar, apparently that's what that's talking about, for the, al for the altar. He brought the wood from Tremp. Louis P. Tremp was born at St. Ambrose, Quebec on February 25th, 1829. He came to Sousson-Marie with his father in 1847. After the death of his father in 1849, he took over the general store his father had begun. In addition to the store, he operated a number of the larger 
Lake Tugs, held numerous public offices and was a trustee at St Mary's Church at the Sioux. He was beloved by the Indians and respected by the white people for the practical assistance to the poor. He married twice and left six sons and four daughters. Tremp died at the Sioux on January 5th, 1892. It was Louis Tremp who officially welcomed all notable visitors to the Sioux. According to the 1860 census, he was 49 that year, making his date of birth 1821. So there's a bit of a discrepancy. However, so we'll go back to that entry, December 9th. So he brought the wood from Tremp, and then it says 200 feet and some panelling. Someone came to tell me that the German Lutheran who lives at Morningstar is breathing his last. I sent Father Kohler there, and what well, a kind thing for them to do. December 10th. I've been with Joseph Manisier to see the wood and to tell him that he should not make the four boxes four inches wider and longer. Today I did not complete my task because I worked on a plan for the altar, which, however, I did not make right. A little later, somewhat better, I shall make it again. December 11th. I have nothing to enter. It was an ordinary day, nothing special. December 12th. This morning I was called to the other side of St Mary's River to Old Labat. She is very old and entirely childish. I gave her Holy Communion and extreme unction. December 13th. Rather many confessions today, also some in French and one in English. Father Minet did not hear confessions because of his poorly timed in inverted commas, retreat. Father Kohler had perhaps nearly a hundred confessions because of the plenary indulgence. December 14th, Sunday. Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So just in case your people are wondering about this, in the older calendar, it was possible for a diocese, <coughs> for some of the reasons that I mentioned earlier about the inability to have certain high feasts because of clergy availability, but also singing and stuff. It was possible to celebrate, as we've read out here, a, a feast, a solemnity, on the date, and then also have it fulfilled on the Sunday. Some people wonder why, it more commonly, in my experience, been done here in the States, where the bishops have moved, like Ascension Thursdays, now a, sun, a Sunday, and things like that. Th this kind of thing did happen in the past, but it was only supposed to be in extreme circumstances. It wasn't done because people uh, were being expected to do too much by coming to Holy Days of Obligation, which is, in some of the documents you read more recently, that seems to be what was actually going on when it was done here in the States and a few other places. It was actually done more so they could they could have a better quality of feast by having people's availability. So, just in case you're wondering about them moving that. Uh, so, back to the entry. The difficult mass at which functioned Father Kohler as deacon and Brother Lacoste as subdeacon. Very poorly done. There you are. There's an example. At the difficult mass, there were nearly 70 communions because of the plenary indulgence, which I denounced for this octave. This evening, it was rather cold, 
I believe we shall have a cold night. It will be a cold night. It will be a cold night. That's written down twice by, by the bishop. December 15th. Indeed, it was a very cold night. Today I placed fresh relics in my petrol cross. Yesterday and today I again had thoughts of resigning. If I could only perceive or recognise the will of God in this matter, then I would soon be at peace and resolve for one side or the other. That's quite a thing. Do you think that he's just had that beautiful solemnity, although it didn't sound as if the Mass went well, but it's wearing on him, and at a time when he should be able to focus on his duties and getting close to the solemnity of the Nativity, he's actually in a quandary about whether to carry on or not. December 16th. The female Indian singers complained that last Sunday they were chased from the choir. Therefore I went to the sisters today and learned that they were very politely requested to make room. I then told Mrs. Cott, that's Mrs. Henry Isabella Cott, and she was the daughter-in-law of Peter Cott, who, with his wife Margaret, assisted Barriga at Fond du Lac, La Ponte, Grand Portage and Lance. The Cots had five children, John, Charlotte, Josephine, Louis and Amos. That's from the federal census. Anyway, so back, I then told Mrs. Cott that she should leave the first long pew to the sisters and they themselves could sit in one of the short side pews. Because you don't want to upset the sisters. December, I added that of course. December 17th. Today I wrote nothing. I made a new plan for the altar, which at first did not please me at all. But now that it is finished, it pleases me very much. Thanks be to God. Joseph Menissier brought the four boxes. Crochier filled the small wooden box. December 18th. I am daily instructing two small Indian boys, Louis and Charles, whom I began to teach the day before yesterday, and I will instruct them the entire winter if they continue to come. Today, Father Menet's retreat is over. He came to me in regard to the singers. I was displeased when he said to me, Do not concern yourself with that. And I said to him that the pastor is under the bishop, not vice versa. And we know there were lots of problems with Father Menet, and eventually he was removed from the priesthood, I seem to recall. December 19th. What shall I write? The two boys came again for instructions. Today I am already in the Jesus, his life on earth. Uh, December 20th. Nothing special. My task completed. Instructed the two boys and the Indian women. It snowed the entire day and was very windy. December 21st, Sunday. Preached in English, French and Indian. I was indignant that Father Kohler, uh, because he did not wait for me before the Asperges. Uh, the Asperges is the when you go at the start of a of a either a Missa Cantata, this is Song Mass, or a Solemn High Mass, then you would take the the holy water and you go down and you bless everybody um, at, the, at the start. Clearly, uh, Father. Kohler either started singing beforehand or he started doing it before the 
the bishop was properly in place. December 22nd. Finally, Father Kohler went home again to Garden River. This morning, two sweet little hours. And by that, it's a footnote saying that's explained as that meant that the bishop managed to get in his early morning meditations. December 23rd. A small examination was held today in our boys' school and small awards distributed. Catherine Richards came to instructions for her first Holy Communion and confession. She was baptised by me at Lance and is now here with her mother and cousin. Then mail arrived from above Lake Superior. Then December 24th. Vigil. Polly Johnson and other women are preparing a small crib for tomorrow. Today they brought me the trimming for the altar baldacchino. Polly Johnston, there's a footnote. Polly Marie Johnston was 31 years old according to the 1850 federal census and 44 according to the 1860 census. The latter is correct, making her date of birth 1816. She was 48 when she married Amos excuse me, Stiles, who was 41, at the Sousa Marie on June 28, 1865. Legally, she and her older sister, Sophia, were the children of Jean-Baptiste Cadot and his wife, Jeannette Piquet, who had three older children still living. However, the two girls were also known as Johnson because after 1823, Jeannette, now widowed, kept house for George Johnson and raised them in the Johnston household. The other possibility is that their father really was the oldest Johnston's son, Louis, not Jean-Baptiste. When Polly finally got married in 1865 at St Mary's, she gave her father's name as Louis Johnston. Now Louis died young in 1825, but from the family letters I gather that he was a bit wild. One letter, in fact, makes mention of Continuing his late connection with that abandoned woman, Jeanne, uh, Jeanette was abandoned by J.B. and his unblushing fatherhood, which makes me fear he has lost all sense of shame and honour. That was uh, John Sr. to George Johnston in the Johnston Papers, which are the library archives at the Sous-Sommerie. Uh, also another entry here says I found a court record from 1844 to 1846 in November 1844 Polly Cadot accused Eustace Roussin of rape and getting her pregnant she had lots of witnesses who spoke for her Roussin had only one she won of course and that was in a judiciary letter so um Baldacchino, in case you don't know what a baldacchino is, a baldacchino is the top or circular aspect of above an altar. Uh, if you can picture in your mind St. Peter's in Rome and you have the altar and you have those four spiralling uh, pillars and on top of them is a kind of canopy thing, that's, the, that's a baldacchino. Some churches still have them during the destruction of much of what was good and beautiful in churches in the 70s and 80s. A lot of the baldacchinos were taken down. 
my own parish at this present moment, we have a baldacchino. We still have our, our high altar. But until I came, people called it the crown. It's not a crown, it's a baldacchino. even has on it the marks of the Holy Spirit and the Trinity, which is generally how you identify uh, what what is the iconography that you put on a baldacchino. So they, had, they were going to trim their baldacchino. Well, they had a big stepladder. Then on December 25th, uh, there's a footnote actually before I get into the actual uh, message, uh, rather the entry. This was the first year in which Christmas was a civil holiday in the United States. So that was 1856, December 25th. Nativity of the Lord, Pontifical Mass at which Father Menet and Brother Lacoste assisted. After the Mass, I wanted to give instruction in Indian, as I do repeatedly, but no one came forward. So I left disappointed. I do not know that I did well. December 26. The two Indian boys came for the last three or four days. Um, rather, the two Indian boys came for the last three or four days. They had not been coming. December 27th. The mail arrived today from Mackinac with 15 letters for me. Some sad and disagreeable. Some of them I answered immediately. Crochet filled the wood, the wood box. December 28th, Sunday. English and French, and after the High Mass, I explained the Indian Catechism, again answered some letters, and then sent them all to the post office. December 29th. Today, Catherine Richards and her cousin Marie came for instructions. Catherine will receive First Holy Communion on New Year's Day, and Marie will be baptised. December 30th. I was at Barbos today to order... 12,000 shingles and to ask him to take over this and supervise the work on the church next summer. Last night I had become quite deaf but in the morning it disappeared again and I hear as usual. December 31st. I was deaf again this morning but before mass I was again well. Confession day, the last day of the year 1856. In some ways this was a very unpleasant but in some others a rather joyful year. That deafness which we've heard about before, I I'm imagine it's because of wax, unless the cold can do that to some people, uh, and maybe it can. Um, somebody could let me know if they've ever heard of that. So that ends the year of 1856. And then the entries for 1857, there's just, a, just two rather short entries. December 17th, Today, the first overland mail arrived from Saginaw, etc. December 31st. The last day of a splendid December, having pleasant, mild weather, it does not freeze at all, and it is always calm. The river is as clear as in summer, not a piece of ice on it. But the poor mail carriers, especially those from Marquette, who probably have no ice on the shore and in the bays. And that ends the entries for 1857. Entries for 1858, again, not many. I'm, I'm actually wondering if part of the reason why the, the entries might be relatively small in December, November, December, and I think also in January, I wonder if it's partly because their hands, his hands got so cold it was difficult to, to write. I'm just throwing that out there. I have no idea. 
I clearly didn't grow up, grow up in this kind of climate. Anyway, so entries for December 1858. December 6. Today the first mail carriers left for Saginaw. They will have a hard time. December 8th, Feast of the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin Mary. At 8 o'clock the Mass was in the church, not in the sacristy. There would have been a high Mass, but Byron came too late. December 13th, the first overland mail arrived from Marquette today. December 22nd, and today from Saginaw, two at once, the first and the second. And there's a footnote about that. Margaret Saginaw of Little Traverse entered the Ursuline community in June 1858. I'm not sure what, what that's kind of telling us. That seems to me that that might be talking about the mail coming from Saginaw, but the footnote is about a woman called Saginaw entering the Ursuline community. Anyway, that's the only entries for 1858. December entries for 1859. December 13th. The first overland mail arrived today only from Mackinac and brought me 6,250 francs from Paris. Thanks be to God. For 1858, on my allotment of 12,000 francs, but only for 1,859. In the future, I am to expect only 8,000. Quite a drop there. Um, December 18th, the first and second mail arrived from Saginaw. Nothing special. December 28th, the river is frozen. One can cross quite well, but there is always water on the ice. December 31st, coldest night, coldest day. The old 1859 is making a cold exit. It's almost like something out of Christmas Carol from Dickens there. That ends the entries for December 1859. Entries for 1860, December, December 1st. A very nice, somewhat cold day. The piano was carried back into the schoolhouse so Mrs. Seymour can play it. A footnote about the piano. Sarah Haynes Cadot brought the piano, the first in Chippewa County, from London when she came to America with her half-breed husband, Alexander. She used it while she taught school at Sousomerie. The piano was of African rosewood. Its sounding board had been planed out with a hand axe. When she died in 1851, the piano became the property of the Catholic Church. Later it was sold at a church auction and was made into a handsome table. It graced the new owner's summer house at Sailor's Encampment. Anonymous accounts of the Cadot family. Um, that's where this, that note came from. That's in the Bayless Public Library. It's to somebody. Sarah Cadet became a Catholic under Father Minet's instruction and he hired her to teach the girls at St Mary's. Although her husband, Alexander, was a drunken brute, to quote, she remained gentle. The fair, delicate London girl nursed the sick, tended their purposes, teaching their urchins, doing all the work of a sister of charity and praying for her husband the whole time. And that was Bishop Jacker who who wrote that. 
and goes on and says Emily Cadot Nine was living with Alexander and his second wife Telesine in 1860, suggesting that Sarah may have died in childbirth. That's from the federal census of 1860. Uh, back to the diary entries, Sunday, December 2nd. Performed everything as usual. At the first mass, I conferred tonsure on Mr. Terhorst and the four minor orders. He held the English catechism class in the church and I the French in my room. December 3rd. Today I paid $10 to Fabian and that's all. Uh, note to myself, I gave him my quart of fish for $5 of labour. December 4th, closing of the canal. Two boats remain on Lake Superior this winter, the Burlington and the Globe. Visited sick Mrs. Dolman in Livingston's house. December 5th, a very nice but somewhat cold day, baptised Dolman's little boy. At 9pm I was called over to Crochier's daughter at Garden River and I administered the sacraments to her in fear of death. Then I went to Alfred Payments. December 6. St. Nicholas heard confessions at payment and remained until 11am. Then I went to Garden River to the sick Mrs. LaRose, whose confession I heard. Then I rode home and arrived about 3pm. December 7th. A very nice day. Bought oil for the consecration of the holy oils for Monday, Thursday. There's a, a footnote about the uh, Payment family here, which uh, says the Payment family is an old pioneer family of Sugar Island. The father and first settlers were Michael J. Payment, born in Canada in 1814. Early in his life, he was a New York merchant, and in 1827, he moved to Detroit. He became a partner in a dry goods concern. In 1840, he married Catherine Edessa Riopel, and in 1844 they moved to the Sioux, eventually settling on the island at the site known as Payments Landing, where the Holy Angels Church was built. He was the uncle of Sister Mary Augustine. He was the treasurer of the Chippewa County and postmaster of Sault Ste. Marie from 1864 until 1876, when he moved to Bay City, where he died in April 1891. That's on the census of 1850. And uh, going back to the, the entries, December 8th. Mr. Terhorst began to read the breviary and will stop when he stops breathing. He studies every day, all day, the Holy Mass. December 9th, Sunday, patron feast of the diocese and cathedral at 8 o'clock. Mr. Terhorst received his subdiaconate Ten o'clock was Pontifical Mass, however it was Mr. Terros assisted. The church pews were put to auction today. December 10th, Woodhalling Day. I was called to the other side to the sixth son of Alex Makey, a dark and snowy day. December 11th to 12th, two windy, snowy, cold days. Fortunately, there were no sick calls these two days. Mr. Terhos diligently practices reading the breviary and the Mass. December 13th. For many people are always and everywhere every morning at Mass in Advent. Here two or three come. December 14th. Today there were a few more people at Mass and one communion. Last night was the coldest night till now. Note to self, 
Only one communion till now. This is a nice indulgence octave. He's being ironic there, of course. December 15th, a very cold night. This day is not cold. The river is more than half frozen over. December 16th, Sunday, conferred the acne on Mr. Terhorst. December 17th, Alexander Cadot made a spectacle because of the dresses of his late wife, which I gave to Polly Johnston, whom he hates, and because of the piano, which he wants back, windy and cold. December 18th, again windy and cold. This afternoon, the first overland mail arrived, but brought in all only six letters, three for me and for all the other citizens of the Sioux Three. December 19th. This morning I went to visit Akaj Abiyan, but found her without her right senses. Perhaps she will die. In the evening I was called to Mrs. Dolman, who, however, is not as sick as Mrs. Piquette. That's the one I just read out there. Akaj Piquette, 24, was the wife of Antoine Piquette, who was 30, a fisherman. Living with them were Mary Piquette, 58, John, 20, Charles, 18, and Angelique Rudolph, 90. Maybe that's a full house. Uh, December 20th, a windy and snowy day. After Mass, I carried the whole Eucharist to the sick Mrs. Dolman. December 21st. Brought the Holy Eucharist to a daughter of Michael Nolan at Gross Point, seven miles from here. A very fatiguing road over deep snow and bad ice. Although the distance is only seven miles, we needed almost three hours to go there. Coming back was somewhat easier. On this day, Father, uh, sorry, Bishop Barriga wrote to Father Murray, As I was very sorry when I heard that you brought Father Manet's bought Father Manet's black cow, so I am now glad to hear that you sold her again. I hope you have lost no money by the transaction. If I live 50 years more, I would never keep a cow. And just a, about about that journey, there's a footnote as well, that three-hour journey that, that was done on snowshoes. I've never worn snowshoes. I should have a go at that sometime and then record how I feel about it. December 22nd. Nothing special for, uh, sorry, Mr. Terhorst busily practices the bravery and the missile. December 23rd, Sunday, ordination to the priesthood of the Reverend General Terhorst, who is intended for Lords. December 24th, examination day in our poor school, to my great sorrow. God give me a capable teacher. December 25th, Christmas. First Mass of the Reverend Terhorst, who, thanks be to God, performed it very well alone without assistance. May God grant that he become a good missionary. December 26. I have decided to dismiss the poor Seymour right in the spring, since he is unqualified in every respect. I think, if I remember, that was uh, one of the teachers, or the teacher. December 27th, Woodhauling Day. I again visited sick Mr O'Neill. I also wanted to visit Mrs Dolman, but she had left her residence and I do not know where she went. Barbeau's account, $408 due me, notified Mrs. Seymour that at the end of April or beginning of May they must leave because of Seymour's total incapacity. December 28th. The second mail arrived, but brought me only a le- one letter and some newspapers. Today I told the stupid Seymour 
that he must leave at the end of April or beginning of May. December 29th, a windy, snowy but not cold day, the ice decreases instead of getting thicker. Read newspapers all day, Saturday, between feast days, but not a single confession. December 30th, Sunday, few people in church, two sermons, two empty pews, only a few children came to catechism. December 31st, the 30th anniversary of my arrival in America, namely December 31st, 1830. Mild, calm weather. There's a footnote here. Although he was collecting the pew rents from others, Barbeau was not paid his own. On this day, Barriga offered a barrel of flour for $7, but deducted 5 for the unpaid pew rent. That's in a letter that's in the Sioux in the archives of Barriga to Barbeau. And as we near the end of these entries, I'm going to skip ahead to um, the Christmas entry for 1862. Christmas, very many communions at 6 o'clock Mass, also rather many at 8 o'clock Mass, but none at the time. Very mild weather, all is thawing. And then his very last entry uh, of the, any of the December entries of the diary, which is the last... The diary finishes in 1863 in June, but the last entry in 18. 62 says, and it's from December the 31st. Beautiful weather. The old 1862 makes a nice exit. And I think that's kind of fitting for us to wind up these quotes from Bishop Barriga and his, his diaries. We've seen all the trials and tribulations that this great man undertook, uh, not least from his clergy but also from the weather, from misunderstandings, from the length of from the distances, from the length of time the cu- uh, communication uh, took. All these different different things. Uh, it's a good thing for us, I think, to remember that in our own hardships, whether it be for me as a priest or yourselves as uh, faithful in the pews, there are good times and there are bad times, but we stay, stay on track and despite... The, the spiritual difficult weather that we might experience, that if we stay on track, we can achieve a lot, as Bishop Barriga did as well. So let's now end uh, with prayers, and as we wind up the, the diaries of Bishop Barriga. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. Until next time. You can listen again to this or any other episode of Let's Talk Catholic at our blog, Let's Talk Catholic Podcast.blogspot.com, or almost any other podcast provider.